Welcome back to the Dr. Supercoach podcast. You're on once again with Cheezo. If we're meeting for the first time in 2021, thanks for checking in. We're as excited as you are to get underway and pick some sides. And I'm on with Pistol because it's Supercoach opening day, mate, and I'm excited to talk to you. <laughs> I love your enthusiasm, Cheezo. I'm very excited as well. We're right back into it. This is the start of a fantastic preseason that we've got planned. And yeah, let's uh, let's just get straight into it. No, uh, I don't want to know what you've been doing. Don't really care that much. Let's talk Supercoach. Whoa, whoa. whoa. Uh, look, I know you're excited, but we do have some very special patrons that we do need a shout out that have signed up, Drew, in the, uh, the summer. We've got Russell back. Cameron, Tony Blackley, Matthew Carr, Craig Dunlop, Debbie Russell, John Brenny, and Jake Rabble, who have all joined uh, the Slack over the summer period. And it's great to have you all on board um, and uh, uh, hopefully getting uh, some uh, Supercoach content uh, on Patreon underway very, very soon. Pistol, beginning on February 13th, we have the beginning of our yearly series, Doctor's Daily Dose, mate. Are you excited for that? I'm very excited, and uh, for those that are not sure what it is, we take a deep dive 30 podcasts in 30 days. Um, this year, Chizo, we have a theme. Where with that on top of it, we actually have a theme for our uh, podcast this year. Do you want to explain, because I guess it will form a basis of, um, I guess, this podcast, sort of, um, of what that theme may be? Yeah, it's uh, wear your favourite team's colours to work day. Uh, (laughs) uh, Well, very much like what this podcast is going to be based around pistols, we think that one of the toughest things that you can do in 2021 because we're reverting back to the same scoring system as previous years is that there's going to be a lot of overpriced premiums that have had their scoring inflated, their prices inflated. It's going to be a little bit of a minefield picking the ones that aren't going to drop 100k in price back to a, a, a more representative average. So Doctor's Daily Dose, in 2021 is going to be primarily doing deep dives into the premiums that we can pick across our line and we're going to do a pretty high level discussion about why we've chosen to do that um, with the podcast tonight pistol so that's going to be a a little bit exciting as well to um, uh, kind of get an overview of where we're coming from that because I think that's um, everyone's acknowledging that they're overpriced, but they're not really emphasizing, you know, how much this is going to change where we can distribute our cash. Um, and I, th- I think it's going to be really difficult to go guns and rookies this year because of it, mate. Do you kind of agree? Oh, I'm totally on board. I think uh, you've got we've got some ha- you've got some handy stats um, from Duffo posted in our Slack the other day. Um, some fantastic insight into uh, the previous years compared to this year's. Um, in terms of players' averages. Do you want to just read that out there, Chizo? Mm. Look, Duffer, part of the rivalry league, he's doing an absolute amazing job in showing his worth, getting the stats, and you know, that's <laughs> the kind of thing we want to see on Team Chizo. So he might find himself picked up in next week draft. So uh, love your work, Duffer. Um, he basically um, uh, collected or cor- um, uh, got all of the scores that were above 102 and below 48 last year um, and for going all the way back down to 2015 to see if there was any you know kind of truth to the theory that we had some scores overinflated um, and it, it based on the previous five years data 
there was an increase on the number of averages for Supercoach players above that of 102 by 56% last year. And scores below 48 was increased by 17. So that scaling that happened last year really kind of uh, the, the the big scores rode the wave and forced their averages up. And those that were having a, a bit of a stinker, you know, got their scores even further suppressed. Um, so this year, I think that we're you know 56% in the number of players that are you know, and they're all, a lot of them are midfielders too, Pistol. Um, it's going to be really, really hard not to end up investing way too much money into those premiums, particularly in the midfield that we, we don't really want to. Yeah, so I mean, it's not just midfielders. Obviously, any premium player um, that scored particularly well, it doesn't mean that the reason for their scoring was because of the scaling, but it's something mm. to consider and factor into every premium choice. So when we deep dive through each individual player, um, we'll take note in, I guess, if they are overpriced and not just if but the why the how and, and all of that um, to really help try and nail the starting picks for 2021 the starting premium picks because I think that's where uh, teams will differ um, a lot this year given there's a, a large variety of premiums whereas I feel like in seasons past there's been maybe a pool of like 20 premiums maybe 15 20 premiums and everyone was selecting you know 11 12 of the same type of premiums um, or same ones exactly so um, it's nice to see that there are so many that we can we had to cull about 10 to 15 players obviously from our 30 we had a list of 45 i guess viable premium options so um, this is really exciting and i uh, very much look forward to a deep diving into those uh, with you chizo All right, something, Chizo, I think people would be excited to hear is how our first draft teams are looking. Um, I'm just putting you on the spot, live on the podcast. I'd love it if you could kind of uh, just ignore the rookies because uh, it doesn't really matter. They're all placeholders in the (laughs) preseason, but I'd love to know what premium players you've selected in the first draft of your team in 2021. Um, You can just read it, you know, defenders, midfielders, rucks, um, forwards, and it's good for me because I want to have a sneaky peek of what you're up to, um, and I'll, I'll say mine afterwards just so I can pinch some of your, your good picks. Um, you do a couple of yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll take it from there, and then we can discuss some of the players. All right. In defense, I've gone a little bit heavy um, because there's not a whole lot of options. I feel like it's going to be, you know, we've already talked about going heavy in defense. Uh, Jake Lloyd, Rory Laird, Lockie Whitfield, and Zach Williams. In the midfield, I've got Lockie Neal, Josh Kelly, Nat Fife, Sam Walsh, Matty Rowell. Uh, in the rucks, I've gone with just Grundy. Uh, and in the forwards, I've gone Rowan Marshall and Isaac Heaney, if you can call him a premium. Uh, Pistol, what about you? I got really excited when you said, Rao, I raised my hand. I smashed it at the door. I think it came up on the podcast. But, uh, and back in my back. It was line, your hand. Your hand came up. I was so excited. Like, yes. Um, I've got... That went right, right, right over your head. I'm glad that did. Um Oh, Jesus, Jesus. Um, I've got Rory Laird down back, Lockie Whitfield. Luke McDonald, hoping for that role change, uh, becomes permanent. And Zach Williams in the midfield. I have Lockie Neal, Clayton Oliver, Josh Kelly. I nearly said Jake Kelly. That would be a unique pick. Um, Sam Walsh. <laughs> in the Patrick midfield Cripps, too. Matt Rowell at M6. Gone deep there with a, a Grundy Bruce Rux. And in the forward line... Um, Heaney and uh, Jeremy Cameron and a bunch of spicy mid-prices that do include um, Jay-Z, Danaher and Impey at the moment. So um, I've really gone a little bit crazy with the mid-prices and the reason for that isn't just because 
of the expectant price falls of some of the top end premium players, but also the lack of rookies. And Chizo, something that needs to be said is just I see a lot of teams on on Twitter in particular, and they have you know like three rookie defenders on field and like two or three in the midfield and two in the forward line, and I'm like, look. No under-18 carnival, no state-level leagues, AFL lists were slashed. Players that are drafted last year, like they're like two years of development behind where they should be in previous years. It's going to take longer for these guys to crack it, crack the best um, 22 at their clubs and, and even get named in the side. I think we're going to have a real dearth of rookies going into round one um, for this season, probably less than last season, and that was already a struggle. So... My team is set up in preparation of worst-case scenario where we barely have any rookies um, named in round one. And, you know, obviously, if I'm wrong and there's plenty of rookies, then that's much, much more easy for me to just remove a dodgy mid-price and put in a rookie and, you know, reallocate that cash than having to look at my team and think, ah, that crap, I have to go and rearrange all of my premium players. Like, I'm I'm happy with the premiums I've selected and, um, yeah, built my team around that. Yeah, and, you know, we were thinking that the likes of uh, the North Melbourne rookies like Phillips and Power were um, two of the more likely players to start um, this year. It's looking like that they're doing all the right things, but as you say, they are actually a couple of years behind missing out on 2020's development. So um, it's, you know, we've talked about in previous years that it's become increasingly hard to get the really bargain basement price rookies that come in straight away. But not only that, you know, we start relying on the expensive rookies, but because they haven't had that development, you know, suddenly they're not reliable either. So I totally agree that um, this year we're not just going to be able to just do a straight guns and rookies strategy or at least at this stage it's not looking that's leading us towards um you know more mid prices on field and that's probably going to take money away from those premiums and so that's why it's so important that we are picking those premiums really carefully and not wasting precious coin that we could be placing you know to shore up one of the lines that you know may be really really thin on rookies let's say you know the defense line pistol yeah, and, and speaking of defense lines, I've obviously uh, noticed you had Jake Lloyd. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm trying to remember yes. your team yep. off by heart. Yep. Um, I don't have Jake Lloyd, and I feel like that's already relatively contentious given um, we're all aware of how insanely good Jake Lloyd is. Um, Chizo, why have you got Jake Lloyd in your side? Let's, let's start there in particular because this, this is a big one. I think for me, it's the chasm between number one and number two in that line. It's sort of, you know, imagine there wasn't a Brody Grundy in the rucks. I would be tempted to, more tempted to get gone than what I already might be because there's such a big difference between first and second. And we do know that a lot of these um, particular types in defense did get a boost over the last two years by the way that the scoring has changed and um, the way that the game's been influenced but even when we return back to you know the, the normal length quarters and the normal scoring I still see Jake Lloyd minimum five points probably ten points above the next defender in yeah. terms of overall average for the rest of the year and the thing that I find 
particularly with the absolute number one in each line, if I don't start with them, I either have to compromise my whole team just trying to get one of them and then so my following upgrades suck or I never get them because I choose to get the fourth, fifth and sixth best players in that line. And so whenever I came up against a player like a Lloyd, I, I couldn't get Lloyd last year. I straight up just couldn't get him. You know, he just, he got so expensive that I just had to, you know, frozen soundtrack it, just let it go. <laughs> and so it just, it's just one of those things where I'm trying to find the flaws in the way I play the game. And while I realize that he's overpriced and he's probably, you know, he's going to lose cash and he's not going to average what he did last year. I still see him as being so far ahead of the rest that I, I I feel like he is more important with being in my starting side than another line, say the forward line, where there's four different guys that could be the number one average at the end of the year. And so you'll pick them up as they go. Yeah, I haven't started Lloyd for the last couple of years and he like drops right at the beginning and then hovers at like 600,000 and I never have 600,000 to spend like on a defender mm. I only have that much to spend on a midfielder really um, and then it just takes me forever to be able to bring him in and at that stage I just see him scoring 110 every week against me and I'm like ah, oh, this guy is so consistent I mean even last year only in round one did he score sub 100 and I was like man his price is so stable it makes it so hard to get him um, and here I am this year without him in my first side and hearing you talk and I'm just like, what am I doing? Like, I know <laughs> he's got 122 average from last season and I know that's probably 10 points overpriced, which is like 50K. And I'm like, I'm still going to have to buy him halfway through the season just for 50K less and a whole lot of points that I've lost along the way. Um, and it's frustrating. I'm already upset at myself and I've still got time to change it. <laughs> I can hear you getting worked up. <laughs> so, yeah, look, you definitely make a lot of good points. Um, I'm going to quickly touch on a couple of other players. Um, Chizo, Rory Laird, I think I've seen him in every single team so far um, with good reason as well. Uh, it, he's, he played midfield last season and looked unbelievable. Um, I think he averaged over 115 it was um, after moving into the midfield and that's the role that I see him getting uh, in 2021 as well. And whilst he might not score 115 because of the whole inflation, he's a complete lock um, to go over 100, probably over 105, probably over 110. Um, and when you get someone that doesn't get injured, I don't jinx it now, but plays every game, doesn't get injured, has the role. There's almost no reason not to pick him. So um, it's fair enough. I see him in every side. And Lockie Whitfield, I mean, do we have to remember him averaging over 110 in 2019 with the longer quarters? And, you know, those last five minutes of every quarter where he'd just rack up like six touches when everyone stopped running. and Elite endurance. Just kept running. Um, You know, and we get that again. Obviously, Zach Williams gone. He's going to play um, probably more off the half back line rather than I guess half forward you know he started he obviously had forward status for a reason last year so um, slightly a different role but he can score wherever he's from because he just spends the time um, running up and down the wing anyway with his elite endurance so um, that one for me stands out I've got I can throw like a net over the next couple of players Chizu. does anyone stand out between Maynard Ridley Caleb Daniel Jack Crisp even 
uh, I guess we can throw in Nick Haynes um, into that group as well. Does anyone stand out from those five players for you? They stand out for probably a different reason than what you think I'm going to say. The likes of <laughs> Nick Haynes... Essendon, Ridley! <laughs> the likes of Nick Haynes and Ridley, I see that scoring potential diminishing in 2021 as um, the scaling, uh, the, the accumulator starts soaking up a lot of those points. I see that average coming closer to the 90 than it is to the 100. Uh, whereas the likes of, say, a, a Caleb Daniel that um, was seemingly unaffected by the way that the, the, the game was played last year still had the same role, is probably going to just keep doing what he's doing and staying around the mark and probably won't drop all that much that, that, that much cash. But um, I think if you're, you're investing 548000 in a Jordan Ridley, I think he's going to lose a bit, but he won't, I don't think, match the same average. For that reason, I think those intercepting defenders are going to take a hit this year. Yeah, and it's hard to forget Trelaw moving to Bulldogs as well, and we don't know how much that super coach pie he will absorb. So That's Caleb right. Daniels, yeah. very much you know that wait and see. But Jack Crisp, um, I think Maynard falls in that same category as Ridley. He's not, he's not the same type of player, but he does a lot of high-impact, um, large-possession plays. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what role he gets um, this season. But Jack Crisp, I think... Um, is someone that is a reliable super coach scorer. I mean, he genuinely finishes in the top eight defenders like nearly every single season, doesn't really miss games, and no one really selects him. He's always a POD, um, and that's just because he just plods along. He he doesn't really have a high ceiling and has a high floor and, uh, you know, one of those great draft picks, but um, he's just one of those, like, not really sexy picks, and I yeah. think for that reason people ignore him, but he's... Totally a fine selection in, in 2021. And, you know, I expect him to finish in the top eight again at the end of the season. I would be very shocked if he didn't, Shizu. Well, let's let's touch on two premiums that are very, very close to your heart for different reasons. Uh, <laughs> we've got, first off, Jeremy Howe. He's obviously had the injury last year but started incredibly well. I've already talked about what my thoughts are for what's going to happen to intercepting defenders. Um, however, he, he is still priced at approximately 96 points. Uh, would you say he's actually still maybe a few points under what he might achieve in 2021 and therefore has some value in our starting squads? Yeah, Howe is an interesting one because he hasn't really scored super well before, like, you know, 100-plus. Um, although he was pretty much can push that mark, I think, you know, in, uh, removing his injury-affected games. But um, for me, Howe does get injured. He's not completely injury-prone, and obviously he's coming back from an ACL. He's not even in full training yet because they're being slow with him. Um, the one thing I like about Howe is I think he's the number one um, kick-out taker now ahead of Darcy Moore and Maynard and all those players. I think he's he's the guy that will take the kick-outs. And also, his role last year was different than anything like we had seen before. Um, and Collingwood were playing chip-chip footy down the back, and he was just on everything. He was the guy that was taking the marks. He was distributing the ball. Um, his role was absolutely phenomenal. And if he gets the same role when he does play, and if he lines up in round one, I do think he will, you know, outperform his ninety-six point price tag, even though he doesn't have much history in doing that. It's just by how much, and therefore, is it worth the risk? I don't think he's someone that's likely to go one hundred and five plus. 
Um, but I do think he'll go somewhere between 96 and 105. And, you know, I think around that price point, uh, there's some other good options and even lower. I mean, we haven't even spoke about Zach Williams yet, but Tom Tom Stewart had an injury-affected game and still averaged 100. And Luke McDonald, obviously, with that role change, um, Chizo averaged 117. Yes, that's right. Luke McDonald averaged 117 after moving uh, to that Jake Lloyd-type role um, last year. But new coach, new things might not happen. We'll check him out in the preseason. Um, but there's all these types of value picks around as well. So it's really hard to um, pick the best one. But she's going to... Did you have a second player, I think? Well, it was going to be Luke McDonald. It's, oh. <laughs> not, it's, it's not so much that I want you to talk about him and you know what he's capable of. It, it, it leads me to the thought that we've only got one preseason game that we're going to look at and potentially the second like kind of intra-club or whatever they decide to do is not going to have um, you know full stats and stuff to kind of break it down and give us the eye test. It'll probably a lot of them be behind closed doors. How much does significant change for the likes of Luke McDonald, new coach, you know, you know, potential to be used in a completely different role, maybe the game style changes, all those positive benefits that he previously had um, has gone away. Are you concerned? At, I mean, you know, what's your approach with evaluating the likelihood that you'll pick these types of players when they have those sorts of things hanging over their head? Because at least with, you know, a Jake Lloyd or a Lockie Whitfield, even if they have a slight role change, it's not going to be suddenly that they're coming off the forward flank um, uh, compared to what they have last year, and it's going to be drastically different. Um, with Luke McDonald, we really only have half of a half yeah. season of data in a role with an old coach. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. And seeing one preseason game does not fill me with confidence. I think it becomes a point where it's like, at what? how much does he have to average for your eyes to light up and think, oh, that's worth me taking that risk? Mm. Uh, for me, if I see a defender that I think can average over 110, I'm like, ooh, that's a good POD. That's somebody they want because people will be too afraid to select him because he's not cheap, um, except he could you know, set my season apart and if he doesn't have that role, then I'm like, oh, you know, I got to jump off him very quickly and be a trade behind. But you know me, cheese. I've never been one to uh, worry about my trades too much. So <laughs> I think I am terrified, but also very excited to take that pick. I was a bit unsure when I heard that um, some other players were going to be playing off the halfback, like a, a young um, type, like a young the Frenchman. Um, yeah. No. Well, look. Uh, Zebel, when they told me he was going to play off the halfback, I was actually excited because he would turn it over and the ball would come right back to Luke McDonald. So I was thinking he'd get more possessions. Um, so that was my first thought that. as well. I was like, why? <laughs> so that, that was a positive for me. Um, Chizo, I do want to quickly throw out two cheaper players, and that's sure. both. I'll throw them both at you at the same time. Dan Houston. We've got Witherden, and we have Zach Williams. Um, are either of these players standing out as players that you must select just because they are such cheap, I guess, value selections? Or are they in the ladder, wait and see, or they've come with a, a hidden problem? Um, Zach Williams, I think, of the two, stands out most to me because he was headhunted for a specific role, and Carlton have been really open about that. Even from going into draft 
uh, sorry, into the, the trade period before it had actually gotten through, they were saying, you know, we're picking Zach Williams to be a midfielder to come and give us some inside grunt. We, this is why we have recruited him. Uh, with Alex Witherden, I don't understand what has happened between the 10-game <laughs> wonder boy that we had to the point that he's just been rejected and thrown across the other side of the country because he can't get a game for Brisbane. So the fact that he's he played a handful of games and averaged well last year is fantastic. But this is what I'm talking about. We have no idea what role or what position that he's going to have over him um, uh, playing for the Eagles. And with only one game's worth of data in the preseason, that, that is a specific example that I was you know, kind of talking about with Luke McDonald as a risk that is too far. If this, you know, if he was three hundred and fifty thousand, I'd, you know, I could totally, totally entertain him. But four hundred and fifty, or that's a that's a price you're picking him for the season. That's a keeper that you're selecting. You really need to be confident that that's a role. You know, he's just going to walk in and smash it, and I'm not confident at all that that's what's going to happen. Yeah, oh, I'm I'm on board with you there. I, I think I don't really see this hundred plus upside. With Witherden, I, I do think he can go 90 plus. You know, he's shown to be a good scorer in the past, even his first season when he came in. But I also don't think he's going to play 22 games. Like, he, he feels like somebody that's in the best 22 for now. A couple of bad games, a couple of other players having some good ones and might miss one here or there or just be rested. I, I don't, it doesn't feel like an absolute safe pick. And at that price, I, I do want to pick somebody who I know is in the best 22 and in a role um, in which he's going to score, you know, 100 plus. Really, I, I don't, I don't really plan on selecting any defenders that I think are going to go under 100. Um, and Zach Williams, I mean, Chizo, uh, I can, I can see you desperate to to get in. Um, <laughs> just, just jump in. Tell me, if your Zach Williams light's gone off. No, 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 no. It was uh, the follow-up question after you finished with Zach Williams, but um, uh, yeah, I think I've already I've given you my two cents. I, I oh. like the look of him. <laughs> look, Zach Williams for me, um, I have not liked him as a pick um, in the past, and I don't really. So look, I, I'm on. It's hard to be on the fence, but I I, I don't like Zach Williams as a pick, um, which is controversial, um, but. There are, I guess, asterisks next to that. Um, I think he's been recruited to play as an inside mid. Love that. I think that's awesome. Great. Um, he's a really good price, so he's cheap. You know, Obviously, we've been talking about players being overpriced, and he's not overpriced. He, he adds a lot to your team um, at a cheap price. Fantastic. That's awesome. But he is what that guy, he gets niggles Every single game he plays, he's always walking around with something hurt, something sore, and he just like battles through the pain. And then you're like, is he going to miss the next week? Is he going to play? And you're desperately waiting for team news to see if he's going to play or not. We're going into 2021, 22 games a season. He has to play inside mid, getting beat up every week. And he needs to try and play every single game. Plus, we have these announcements that are only a day before you find out if your player is playing or not. He's the type of guy that gets injured at training and you only find out on game day when he's not named in the best 22. And you're like, I've already used my trades. I've got no cover now and I can't do anything about it. And he's in my back line where typically your rookies that are coming on and not super high Get scoring 20. as well. <laughs> it just screams you to me... You make a really good point, actually. Like he's somebody that's not going to get through the season 
without some sort of injury, some sort of injury-affected game, and that's going to end up you know, dropping his total average because he's going to either miss a game or lose points during a game multiple times. However, he's so cheap, so it's at what point, like how cheap does he have to be for that to be worth it? Like, as I said, I'd only select someone if I think they can average 100, but if he misses one game, you know, if he's, is he suddenly, you know, now is the equivalent average, if I get a rookie score, it's like, you know, 97 or 96, and at what point, how many games does he have to miss for him to still be worth it in my side? And I'm still, he's in my side, I read it out earlier, so I'm, I'm on the side of that it is worth it, but I don't know if I'm still going to be there by the end of the preseason if other options emerge as well. And I think to myself, well, I only need to pay, you know, 40, 50K. Oh, I finished my team and I've got 50K left over. And I'm like, oh, I could just upgrade Zach Williams to crisp. Like, may as well do that. Um, So he's definitely not a lock in my side. And I see the word lock and Zach Williams being thrown out very, very often at the moment. You what? He's the che- he's the cheapest premium defender you can pick. I, I can totally see the appeal, obviously. Fifteen points underpriced. He's a lot underpriced. Yeah, but a lock? No. I mean, if I said any other premium is fifteen points underpriced, you're probably selecting him. <laughs> yeah, especially if it's Jake Lloyd. <laughs> well, he's he's not. <laughs> so yeah, if it is Jake Lloyd, you would be. <laughs> well, good news. All the games he misses don't count towards his average pistol, so he can still average 100 for you and play 10 games. Uh, we, Ale- the next player below, Alex Witherden, is Ben McAvoy, so we might as well move on into the midfielder's yeah. pistol if we're getting down that low. Talk to me about the big dog, the big number one. It's Matty Rao. <laughs> Lockie Neal, mate. Go. Wait, give me a for and against. What are your thoughts on Lockie Neal? It's obviously a lot of coin that we've got to dish out. Look, we won't spend too far on it, but he is somebody that has started hot um, for the last two seasons, you know, come out with, you know, 140 um, plus average and 150 last year, 156 average across the first month. Um, there's there's no way about it. I'm going to actually do a test for the listeners because this took me by a little surprise when I was doing some research into it. So I'm just going to ask people to play along at home. I'm going to say, Lockie Neal averaged 134.4 in 2020. What did he average in 2019? Now, Chizo, don't say the answer. I'm going to let people think about it. I think this is enough time. You now know what Lockie Neal averaged in 2019. Most people would probably say 126, 125, 127. It's not. It's 121. Oh, I was rounding up. You were rounding up 122. <laughs> Look, he averaged 121. That's a lot lower than 134. And I know he had an unbelievable season. And I do agree, yeah, he probably in a full season, you know, 22 games probably did average uh, in a normal length season, probably did average more than 121 equivalent. But not 134. Probably not 130, Chizo. He, he probably averaged, you know, 126, 7 equivalent. He's overpriced. He will drop lower in price. However, that other side of that coin, there's really not a better captaincy option than Lockie Neal. He doesn't miss games. Every week, you can put the C on him. Um, Brisbane don't, especially if you've got a Grundy, but uh, Brisbane don't typically play heaps of Friday night football anyway, which means he's a good C option, someone that is safe. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of pros to Lockie Neal. He's in both of our sides as that captaincy option, but I'm not 
100% on him. I'm like 95%, so it's very unlikely he leaves my side, but I have a little bit of doubt in that oh, I can get more value if I were to replace him. My problem is, Cheezo, looking at the rest of this list, and you're looking at it as well, can you see any other midfielders you know, in the top 10 averages that you think are good value? Uh, quick answer, no. <laughs> um, I, I, I could argue that Josh Kelly is presenting good value by being the only one that's not going to drop five points in the first month. Um, it's it, I, Just jumping back to Lockie Neal, it's interesting. I've got two points for you. You're 95% sure the competition only has him in 91% of teams, so you're more comp- you're more confident than the, the, the rest <laughs> of the competition right now. But also, over the last two... The, the first month of the last two seasons, he's averaged 150 so we're talking about players that are 15 points under price, Pistol. Uh, he, he's obviously got to continue that trend. If he, st- if he bucks the trend and averages 115, you're pretty much buggered. Um, but if I'm looking at like the, the Jack Steele and the Clayton Oliver and the Christian Petrarca types, they're all players that very, very specifically got a boost from the way that they play the game, which is to be a bit more contested and go and get the ball. Um so I, I, I see them as being quite overpriced as opposed to someone like Lockie Neal that can do, you know, both seagulling as well as going to get his own ball. Um, so I, I see those types of players as a little bit more of a um, theoretically wait and see on on them. Um, and I think the likes of, you know, Zach Merritt and Lockie Hunter – while they had good seasons last year, I just don't see them continuing a 115 average coming into 2021 as well. Um, so the first person that you've, we've talked about that's on that list that presents a little bit of value that I do like the look of, again, you know, injury history, but pertaining to your question, Josh Kelly at an average of 114.6, only 616K, does kind of perk my interest a little bit because I feel like that's a reasonable price for someone like Josh Kelly with, you know, there's probably going to be more onus on him this year because they don't have those top quality, as many top quality backups as uh, they had Caldwell and Haightley leave in the offseason. And and Zach Williams and Jeremy and Cameron, they, they lost a lot of good players. Um, and I do agree. I mean, as I said, Josh Kelly in my side as well. Um, I will say... The one player I think does present value is Tom Mitchell, um, you know, 113 average. If he was fit, he yeah, would be really good fit. value. The problem is he's in a race for round one, and I don't really want to pick a player that's in a race for round one. And he doesn't run one, that fast either. <laughs> he doesn't run that fast either. Uh, look, yeah, if he was fit, uh, he would be in my side easily because we know he can average 130 in a full-length season. He's just not at that point yet, but he'll come into our sides at some stage. I just yep. don't think from round one where he hasn't done, um, you know, a full preseason at all. And he said he was playing injured last season from round one. Chizo, he hurt yeah. his shoulder. He's, it's just a, it's just a no for me. I will quickly touch on um, Jack Steele now has Brad Crouch joining the t- side, so I love to see how that plays out. But Oliver and Petrarca are young and improving, so I do think there can be some. Um, I guess let's say not a not a ten points drop off. I, I do think that they can both go one hundred and ten plus. Um, mm. Probably, look, I honestly think both of them could go one hundred and fifteen plus, but I don't think they're going to go one hundred and twenty plus. Um, 
that some people have very high expectations. Again, Lockie Neal went 121 in 2019 and he was unreal. I don't really think that Petrarca and Oliver have that sort of scoring in them um, to maintain it for the entire season. Um, yeah. But as I said, you've got to pick someone. So I think, you know, if you want one of the highest scorers in the game, Oliver doesn't miss any games. He can still be good selection, but you are paying for it. Um, Is his average inflated because he's put up like a 400 in one game? <laughs> 177 and then 205. Two massive games. Um, yes, is the short answer. It is. Um, I, I, I do think that he's, because of that high floor he has, He's just one of those real safe selections. It's funny because I'm using the same logic as to why um, you should pick Jake Lloyd when I don't have Jake Lloyd as I am. So you should pick Clayton <laughs> Oliver. I, I have Clayton <laughs> Oliver. Um, I can see that. Uh, I can see that now while I'm talking this irony. Um, I'm going to go quickly right put Jake Lloyd back on my side. Um, <laughs> some other players, I think Chizo, that have gone completely under the radar. One of my personal favorites who has been in my team in the preseason and still mm. might find his way in maybe for Oliver, um, is Jared Lyons. Um, he is a massive POD. Before round one starts, I'm sure he'll be in under 2% of sides. He's never selected. Um, I was banging on about him early last season, and he had unreal scores, like completely unbelievable. I think it was four scores lower than 110 last season. And yes, he may have got some of a boost um, due to his play style, but in 2019, in that second half of the year, um, after he moved into a midfield role, he still averaged uh, 117, and then he's come out now and just pumped out the tons. Um, I think there's a really strong case to be made for Lions, and there's nothing going to be changing with his role. I mean, Brisbane just got Danaher, no other significant change. They might even win a flag now. Might be a little bit more people. Um, pie parts for Jared Lyons. I, I I think he can maintain 112, um, so I don't think he's overpriced and um, likely a good selection. Matt Crouch 110 is probably he, who knows with <laughs> Brad Crouch gone. Matt Crouch might get 700 possessions a game with 600 ineffective ones and still be okay. Um, I think he's a Chizo. Someone I wanted to talk about is actually. Uh, one I've not heard in any preseason team. It's Scott Pendlebury. He is 592k, 110 average last season. I'll make the 13 games. How do you see? I'm putting you on the spot. I might actually mm. throw in Taylor Adams as well because he also averaged 110, a little bit lower than Pendlebury though. Um, the two Collingwood players. How do you see them performing in 2021? It's an interesting question. I, I would throw it back to you and say. I can obviously see upside in Taylor Adams with the moving on of Adam Trelaw. Do you see upside in Scott Pendlebury in his game that's going to take him to new, you know, back to the heights of 120 he has done previous? I, I personally see the loss of Adam Trelaw as going to be most likely letting him kind of hold an average of a 105 to 110, but I'd probably predict it'll be in the low 100s over the entirety of the year I don't see a whole lot of value in picking Pendles Uh, in terms of Taylor Adams I think that he probably now takes over that number one midfielder role for Collingwood with the loss of Adam Trelaw that used to you know kind of take that mantle a little bit so 
I see him getting a little bit more opportunity, has the potential to take that next step if he has it in his game. We've seen it in small segments over the last five years, but we've never seen a prolonged period where the eye test said to me, this guy's going to average 115 plus in one year. I haven't, I haven't quite yeah. seen that yet. Yeah, I think uh, Adams does historically average more without Trelaw in the side. However... But people seem to still forget how injury-prone Adams is. And mm. as a diehard Collingwood supporter, I know he spends a lot of time out of that Collingwood side with injury. And I, I don't know if he can go... I know he didn't miss one last year, but I don't know if he's can play 22 again. Um, and it's... Look, I love Collingwood, but I don't think we're going to be a better side than last season. Um, I think we will have a drop-off, obviously, without Trelaw. And you pretty much nailed it. I know there's an extra you know, 110 points per game in that Collingwood supercoach pipe in the loss of Trelaw, but we're going to lose more games because we lost Trelaw, and then we're going to get less of the pie because we're losing more often. So I think you said it well when you're like, these players probably hold their scores rather than increase in their scores because we're just going to be a worse side <laughs> without yeah. Adam Trelaw. Um, and yeah, I, I can see... I can see value in Adams um, in terms of you know all the other premium players are overpriced and he can hold and therefore there's value um, I guess in terms of a comparison between them so I can understand why people would select him um, I'm just not expecting him to go to you know much more than what he's currently priced at so more of a, a stable safe pick if you're willing to overlook you know any sort of injury history that he may have had prior yeah, sure. All right. Uh, talking about players that we have overlooked in the, uh, the so far on the list, just jumping back a little bit. Nat Fife, priced at an average uh, around one hundred and thirteen, only six hundred and eight thousand. Murmurs of him playing as uh, Joey Danaher out of the goal square. We hear that every year. Pistol, what is, what's your take on it? Yeah, look, it's time for the Fremantle. I call them kids, but they're men to stand up. The Brayshaw, Sarong. Um, Shara, there. These players are good. Even even Darcy Tucker. Um, I think people mm. forget about him because he got injured early last season. But he, he looks like he'll be a good footballer as well. I think the Fremantle midfield is coming along. Nat Fife will do his thing, you know, as those bursts just to you know get them back in the game and then play forward and then come back in the middle. Um, I don't I don't see how more forward time is going to equate to an imp, you know him improving on his 113 average. However, he's one of the most fun players to own in the game because when you watch him <laughs> he could do absolutely anything although Chizo he never plays a full season he just yeah. doesn't he, he he misses way too many games for him to be you know a viable pick at the beginning of the season unfortunately and um, I know you probably wanted me to touch on any of the Bulldogs players but with the introduction of Trelaw, I, I need to see the preseason to see how they yeah. line up I want to know who's getting pushed out I want to know who's the preferred order um, in this center bounces, like there's too much up in the air for me to go anywhere near any of them um, just to start the season. Uh, well, we can revisit that after the preseason game, I think. Um, but I'm going to ask you probably the hardest question anyone's going to ask you today. Sure. And that is, I want you to try and pick one out of Sam Walsh, Patrick Cripps, and Matt Rowell. <laughs> I genuinely was just expecting like a nice... I don't know what I was expecting. I said it was going to be a difficult question. Uh, I think it's the year of the Walsh. <laughs> the year of the Walsh. I want you to convince me that it's year of the Walsh. I think that Matty Rao is 
exceptional and he's going to be one of those generational players. But I also still think the data that we have on him is specifically pertaining to the inflation last year that suited his game style. So how he gets impacted, I'm not sure. Um, and because there's that little bit of uncertainty, I if I had to pick between one of those three, he would probably be the first one that I dropped out. Yep. That was not the question, but I'm glad you're getting there. <laughs> Second one, if I'm choosing between Walsh and Cripps, like if you ask me at face value, like who's going to average more in, in, in this year, my bra- like my brain is telling me Cripps and my heart is telling me Walsh. I just, I just have this feeling that the pedigree kid coming into the breakout year, rumoured to be playing inside mid as opposed to wing, has all the tools in his arsenal to go 110 plus. And for that reason, he's probably a premium that we can pick with some security knowing that he's going to go up in value as opposed to those around him going down. And so I, I think I would ride the Walsh train over those out of those three. Yep. And I know he's probably going to be the lowest averaging but that's just that's that's just where I'm coming out coming out on that one. I mean, I've got all three at the moment, so I, I hope he's the lowest averaging and averages 110 plus. That would be that would be awesome. <laughs> I, I um, also for forget that they slapped me if I don't start him last year was Sam Walsh. So I really don't want to get hit by you again with your big man hands. <laughs> Look, um, I, I don't know if I agree with you in terms of who I would select uh, first, but. Um, I do think with the rooms have been playing inside mid, you know, him averaging 114 um, in the second half of the of last year and him just suddenly kicking multiple goals, um, you know, towards the end of the season. I think it was seven goals in the last nine games. Um, that all just screams like, this guy's going to break out. This guy's going to do some real damage um, in 2021. And I, I do like how he is cheaper than the other top-line premiums who I don't have that much faith in. And I do think Walsh um, can achieve that 110 plus because I, I do think as much as it pains me to say as a diehard Collingwood fan I think Carlton have built a good list and they'll be playing finals in 2021 and as part of that they're going to win games and Walsh is going to win them games and on the other side of the coin you've got Cripps who is also going to win Carlton games they're going to yeah. probably help each other um, and both score better um, while they go along their merry way winning games together um, I think for me, Cripps is always just that man made out of tape and I worry when he's going to miss a game and it doesn't usually happen. He misses one, maybe a season, but he um, he's pretty durable for somebody that wears half a roll of tape every single game. But <laughs> we've seen in the past him have, you know, two years above 115 average. In a year where Carlton is going to be the best they have been in a decade, you know, he's the guy that I expect then to go 115 again. I know he's got more support and he has to share more of the ball, but they're going to win games and mm. Cripps is going to do it for them. Um, so he, I, I would pick him first um, out of all of them. He's in my side, but I think they're both really good picks. And I also like Matt Rowell, so I'm not going to put him down. Um, I do think that there is a little bit of a risk with Rowell because of, you know, basically a four game sample size. Um, 
which is tiny. Although they were, man, they were the four best first games I've ever Would seen. Would you be surprised play. if he came out and was averaging 115? I actually wouldn't. Like, nah. it's enormous. <laughs> but I saw this guy break out of the center, running full tilt, slot at 55 meters on his wrong foot. No one does that. Like, my mind was blown. I was watching him like, players that have played for 10 years don't do that. Why is Matthew Rao doing that? This I've first seen one guy that played for West Coast and Carlton do something like that on a couple of occasions. Jason Akamanis? <laughs> <laughs> um, look, Rao, uh, he is a freak. I'd love to see him in the preseason. They've already said they had to slow him down because he was like training too hard, mm. which you, know, you love to hear. Um, however, I will say if he comes out, I guess my biggest worry for him uh, is that he's not a big enough ball winner um, to have 110 average in Supercoach. I know that the scoring system massively helped him last year, um, but he didn't really come out with you know those 30-touch games. He, he really put in those solid 20, low 20s, and if he plays a full game, and I don't know if they were managing his time on ground because it was not particularly high in 2020. There is definite room for improvement in 2021. Um, if they come out and he just puts in, you know, a 20 possession game and it's an intra club and he gets 22 possessions, I'll start to stress a little bit if it's worth starting him and potentially just go with a safer pick. Um, so he's definitely not a lock at all in my side. I think that position is up for grabs if somebody unexpectedly, uh, performs a little bit better, Chizo. Yeah, sure. Well, he's sitting at currently probably an M5 for you. M6. M6, okay. So at an M6, you're not looking to replace him um, with the likes of a Josh Dunkley, are you? You're looking to, if you were going to be replacing him, someone kind of like a high 80s, low sort of 90s average that you're predicting is going to have a breakout potentially. going all the way down. I'd be be just just changing my structure on my side. I mean, I'm only playing six premium midfielders because I like him him yeah. so much not well, the, the price point the really okay so the, the reason that i was kind of like steering the conversation in that direction is because we've all obviously got um uh, the likes of tim taranto that is becoming <laughs> yeah. more relevant priced at um 84.5 which is four hundred and fifty four thousand dollars, gives you an extra 50k uh off um that might allow you to do that little zach williams up that you're talking about to Jack Chris Pispel, you know, you never know. <laughs> um, so you, you wouldn't enter, like, uh, that position in your team, you wouldn't be entertaining going down to uh, sort of like a Taranto level or uh, that kind of price range. You'd be restructuring your site and going down to at least a mid-pricer. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I it's funny, Tim Taranto, so something that amuses me, um, particularly on Twitter, is seeing people have, like, split, like, people have Tom Green, at M6 or have like Tim Taranto at M6 and I'm just looking at it and I'm like they can't both go 110 yeah. like you're picking one of them because you're like that guy is getting my midfield time the fact that Twitter can't decide who is going to be going 110 out of both of them means there's probably a good reason for that it's one of them is not going to be a good pick and one mm. of them might be a good pick not a guarantee by any stretch but I, I look at that GWS side and Still think, okay, they still have Canelio, DeBoer, uh, Kelly as, you know, big three. You've got Perryman on one wing. I'm sure there will be, um, you know, midfield time for both Taranto and Green, but they still have other options. I'm not yeah. just relying on them to, you know, save my side. I mean, we know Taranto is a better forward than Green. 
I do expect Green to, I guess, I guess Taranto to play a bit more forward just because he's better at it than Green. Mm. Um, but I think they'll split it. Like I, I don't see either of them going, you know, eighty plus percent center bounce attendances. Um, so for me, if I'm not sure, I don't want that price point in my side because what if Taranto flops? What am I doing? I can't go up. I can only yeah. go down. Why am I going back to Tom Green? <laughs> it's an interesting point you do make about GWS that I might, you know, kind of mirror the conversation that you're talking about. When was the last time in history you remember GWS having a second-year player with the midfield they have and just going, you're in there now, go for it? Yeah, they, they like I mean, to they, play they've lo- they have lost like, some players, yeah. but they lost some players because they couldn't get a game. You know, That's, if, if yeah. Tom Green... Everyone's saying Tom Green's going to be the second-year breakout like Clayton Oliver and he's going to average 115. Fair enough. If he's going to play midfield time all the time, he probably will. Like he, he is the type of player that could do that. I just don't see Cameron and GWS doing that. Am I, am I wrong in saying that the, the most likely outcome of the two is going to be Tim Taranto? Yeah, I also forgot Hopper when I was saying the midfield. Yeah, Hopper. and Hopper's ahead of Taranto as well in that midfield pecking order. But yeah, I I do agree. I think that Green will be in well, not in and out. I think he'll play majority of games, but I don't think he's going to be playing twenty two games either. Um, mm. And people are expecting like the people picking him are saying I'm picking him because I think he's going to go hundred plus. That to me is I'm picking him because I'm keeping him. Yeah, exactly. For the season. Yeah, but I don't think he's going to play every single game. Uh, he's still a kid. Like, as much as he's a man-child, um, you know, I can see a rest still. Um, yeah, it's it's an interesting point, Chizo. I think um, just one thing I want to say, because I, I kind of had this problem with my own team, is these types of price points, like the ones that are sub-550, so, you know, the Walsh, Cripps, Tim Taranto, Raul, um it's like if you're planning on holding these players in your side, if you had, let's say, all four of those, that's four spots of your eight in your midfield. That means you only have four more to get the top-end premiums, and there's more than four players that will go 115-plus um, in 2021. So you're you're already kind of, I guess, behind the eight ball a little bit um, if you're trying to, I guess, get the maximum points potential out of your side because other players' midfielders are just going to be better than your midfield and you'll be leaking points to them every week. And I know you may have got there quicker and be stronger in other positions, but um, it does really limit the upside, I guess, that, that maximum score that your team can choose, that can score each week if you are selecting these players because at the end of the day, they just are better midfielders than those players who will score more even if they are worse value at the beginning of the season. But that's why we upgrade to them. Um, it doesn't mean that we have to start all value picks. Yeah, sure. Uh, we're down to Tim Taranto, so we might as well jump into the next line, which yep. is the Rucks. Uh, the top two... <laughs> Quick conversation for here, Chiso. <laughs> uh, we've got two premiums to pick from. The rest I consider mid-prices uh, yep. <laughs> because there's such a chasm between the two. Max Gorn, the most expensive in the game at 752000 priced at 140 Supercoach points. Uh, and Brody Grundy... A whole hundred and three thousand dollars cheaper, priced at one hundred and twenty-one points, which is six hundred and forty-eight thousand two hundred pistol. Can we justify the extra hundred grand for Max Gorn? You know the way that the uh, I think the Ruxman scoring is going to be brought back to the you know to the field 
uh, if there's one player that I think is the most overpriced out of any premium this year, I think it's Max Gorn. Yes. Look, <laughs> this is... Um, I might answer your question slightly differently than you probably expected. Yes. Gorn, 140-point average. I don't think any of us are expecting him to maintain that. That would be beyond insane. As I said, if Lockie Neal 2019, when he was like, oh, my God, amazing, only went 121. Um Grundy, you know, was pushing 130, and Gorn still probably gets, you know, well, he does, he gets less possessions than Grundy, so he has to rely on, you know, more hit, effective hitouts and contested marking, um, and and Melbourne being better. I think it's possible he could push 130. I don't think it's, I wouldn't say it's more than 50% chance, and that's already a 10-point overpriced, meaning he's already 50K overpriced, and you've got then... Um, somebody like Grundy who even though he averaged 120 I can't say he looked super great um he wasn't loving the hub life was he no he wasn't loving the hub life that's a nice way of saying it but uh, I guess I'm getting my points a little bit confused I'll stick I'll stick with uh Gorn just for now before I jump into Grundy um I do think Gorn is going to be the top scoring Ruckman, sorry, top averaging Ruckman. I do note he's played 14 games. He is a bit injury prone. It's just screaming if he's a bit injury prone, if it's going to happen at some point in the season, it's an equal chance pretty much, um, you know, at any stage of the season. I guess you get more tired as the season progresses, but he's overpriced to start. He will score the most. You can put your captaincy on him. I don't think he's a bad pick because of the captaincy because he will probably be the number one scoring game at highest averaging player in the game in 2021 so i think that captaincy um works well in his favor and it i guess you absorb some of that poor value because you're able to get double the best score in the game each round um so i don't think he's bad i, I think he's bad value but i don't think he's a bad pick if mm. that makes sense I, yes, those things does. aren't always synonymous grunty i think he's better value however we're all making assumptions that the reason his, he performed worse in 2020 was because of the hub life and he wasn't as interested. And I guess we physically saw that on the field, but that doesn't mean it's automatically going to be fixed in 2021. I guess my concern would be he comes out in the preseason game and it's preseason and he looks disinterested and we all say, well, it's a preseason game. He doesn't need to be going 110%. Confirmation. So we all select ourselves. him. Yeah, we all select him because he's good value. And then he gets to round one and he also looks disinterested. And then we're like, crap, what have we done? We've selected a player who we saw look disinterested last year. We saw look disinterested in the preseason and we still selected him and he's looking disinterested in round one. Then what do we do? It's panic stations because it's in the ruck line where you don't want to mess around because really there's only two options you want to end with at the end of the year and that's Gorn and, and Grundy. But mm. if you can't get up to Gorn and Grundy might you know drop heaps in price, um, at the beginning. I think it's just something I'm not too scared yet because I'm going to wait to see how he looks in the preseason, but I just want to touch on it that we are making a lot of assumptions with the Grundy and very, it could be a, a Gorn Proust combination that is the best one in 2021. I would not be surprised at all um, if that was the case instead of a Grundy Proust, which I notice uh, most people are selecting for the value. Yeah. Um, but that you know doesn't mean the highest point scoring. Cheers, I'm going to quickly... Um, throw one back at you that you are definitely not expecting yep. right now and I haven't seen it um, online yet. What if instead of selecting Gorn and Grundy, you instead selected Marshall knowing you were going to play him as a forward at the end of the day and you selected someone like 
um, you know, Marshall and Proust. So you just waited on both Ruckman to see how they performed instead. I don't mind it. That's clever. <laughs> because, so here's the thing with Grundy. My thoughts right now is that I think he's actually underpriced. Yes. I think it would be really, really unlikely for Grundy to go sub 120 in 2021. And so for that reason, I don't feel like I have to wait for him. If you if you do say he comes out in the preseason and he looks as slow and sluggish and you know almost cumbersome towards the end of the year and it, it would have must have been exhausting, then you have to be really quick to identify oh, I think you know maybe we need to take another look at this and don't just let yourself you know confirmation bias yourself into it. With Max Gorn, I, I think he's going to come down minimum 50k. Yeah, in the first month. So the, the I would be happy to wait on Gorn. I think the difference between um Gorn and Grundy is going to be minimal by the end of the year and Grundy's probably going to play more games and so therefore I do want to it, like if I can get the the higher total points and a similar average for $100,000 less, that's just like a really easy decision for me. If you do think that Brody Grundy is underpriced, I really um sorry um still having issues. I really do like the idea that you've just come up with Rowan Marshall being able to use that DPP. And it's in fact, why I start like have got him in my starting squad is because not that I think he's like incredible value or that suddenly he's going to jump up and be one of the, you know, competition leading Ruckman. He's going to average 110 plus. He's probably just going to average a hundred flat or thereabouts, but it's that DPP, particularly at the start of the year when we're probably not going in with the twin towers in our ruck line that affords that extra kind of value and versatility that I value. So um, I think there's absolutely a really good point that you make there that if you don't like to look at either of those, that Rowan Mars was probably second in, or probably, third, what's that third in line? First in line after those two anyway. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm uh, awesome. Glad you think so. I think uh, talking about Rowan Marshall, maybe we should jump into the forwards because there really is no point um, discussing any other ruck. Sorry if you've selected another ruck. Just... Don't. What about Scott Lysett? Oh, I really like him. <laughs> we always I get just, one of those. Yeah, like I, I can understand kind of if someone wanted to go like Tom Hickey or something, but this is a premium podcast, so we're not going to yes. talk about Tom Hickey yeah. on this podcast. And when there's that much of a gap, you have to actually just talk about the premiums. Yeah. All right. I'm going to jump into the forwards for you, Cheese. Yes, Number for one forward, the most expensive forward, averaged 114 last season. Patrick Dangerfield, 612K. Um, good opening draw. He's an absolute lock, isn't he, Cheese? Um, <laughs> he He's still struggling with the groin issue he had towards the end of last season. Is that correct? Or is that he's, he's yep. re injured it or he. He's still he's been struggling with it the whole time. Do we know? Have we differentiated that? No, they said he's still struggling the whole time. He's been flying to specialists and is in a race for round one as well. Ew. So, yeah, that's all, not what I like to hear at all. Uh, no, no, it's a uh, massive warning signs, especially with Higgins turning up too. That might you know cut in on his action. Look, I I, I don't want to pick people that have to fly to specialists to solve a problem in the preseason. That seems like a recipe for absolute disaster. Um, I love his draw, and I think he could, you know, if he was fully fit, I would be selecting with heartbeat. You know, and 28. Yeah, bang, bang out <laughs> massive averages. But um, 
yeah, at his price, 612000 with that injury risk, I'm definitely looking uh, up, you know, elsewhere, Chizo. Yeah, sure. Well, the next one that kind of jumps off the list that, you know, I recognize the name, I see the price, I see the, the average, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's not overly surprising. But picking him to start the season, averaging 109.4, paying nearly 600000 for steel side bottom, it, that just seems crazy for me. Look, people are selecting him thinking he will get the midfield role that Trelaw had, but I He's that's never been an inside not mid. going to be the role he gets. No, he, he'll play probably some games in the midfield and some games as a forward or half forward. You or know, wing. We've got, or wing. We've got Sire, who missed a lot of last season, and we just drafted a whole bunch of midfielders in this draft that will probably play at stages throughout the season in the midfield. Side bottom isn't guaranteed that role by a long shot and is priced at 109. I mean, don't get me wrong. The guy's going to finish top three midfielder probably. Um, but, you know, that will be closer to 100 average or just over 100 rather than closer to 109. So massively overpriced for me. Um, however, he will finish the day as a top, you know, couple forward. So I do still see that appeal in the same way in which we were talking, I guess, about Lloyd at the beginning in that there's just like a chasm between the top forwards here and the rest of the forwards. So I can understand it, but for me, it's it's one of those guys you just pick up, you know, as the season progresses. Yeah. Um, I think third on the list, Tom Hawkins, averaged 106 last year. He's done this a couple of times where um, you, you, you watch him for about 10 weeks and you go, gee, he's had a really good run, that, that run he had. Um, and he plays really well. I think the addition of Jeremy Cameron probably impacts him negatively. Pistol, would you agree? I It just means that he can't get up the ground as much and he has to be that stay-at-home forward a little bit more, even though he's so good at it. He's so strong. Um, every season we say, oh, Tom Hawkins averaged over 100. He can't do that again next year. And then yeah. he does it. Yeah. So what do we know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, any given year, but I think with the addition of Jeremy Cameron, it's probably more likely that Cameron is the one that goes up and down the ground. Uh, I think he's got a slightly bigger aerobic base. So, yeah. um, again, we're, you know, this is the first line we're passing on all of the top three. And then maybe even top four, Josh Dunkley, uh, 104.3 average, paying 560 for him. Again, with that, the, you know, the Bulldogs, he's usually the first one that gets forced out of that midfield. And then they started adding Bailey Smith in there. You put Trelaw and people are say, you know, say Trelaw's going to be on a wing, but he doesn't know how to kick it. He attracts it like a magnet, kicks it like a fridge. <laughs> so why would you have him on a wing? He's got to be in the midfield. So therefore Dunkley's out. It just, the, the, the Bulldogs just scare me. And so I, I think even in the forward line, Josh Dunkley is a wait and see for me. Yeah, look, no one has the upside as a forward that Josh Dunkley has. I mean, we've seen him average 130 in the midfield, but mm. as you said, there's so many pieces. I'd rather wait to the preseason and kind of see how they look. I mean, if he comes in the preseason, if he's playing a full-time midfielder, I mean, everyone's selecting him, right? It's not even a question um, if we see that because we know what he's capable of. And if he's in the forward line for the whole game, we're all like, eh, we can probably wait. I mean, the fact of the matter is he still averaged 104 and he didn't play that much midfield. So he can still score very well as a forward. We saw once he came back from injury, um, he still managed to average over you know 90 as a forward. So at the end of the day, he'll probably still finish a top six midfielder and is a safe top six midfielder pick with a massive upside. However, you're paying 
560. Yeah, sorry, forward. Um, you're you're <laughs> paying 560k for him, and they might potentially. I'm not quite sure on it yet, but we'll see. Might potentially be better forward options. Yeah, sure. Well, next on the list is Ryan Marshall. We've already talked about his benefits and you know his DPP ability. Um, with my mid price that I'm going at R2 is kind of the stability that he provides is why he gets the nod ahead of the uh, the the remaining players the last player that's averaging um above 100 dusty martin i don't really expect him to suddenly you know he had the the greatest career of all time in like 2017 or 18 whatever it was i can't remember now and he averaged 115 or 117 so i think it would be unlikely to see dusty become the 15 to 110 average that we've seen previously, I think they've got, you know, that more relaxed role that he's able to kind of, you know, spend some more time forward when he feels like it or play in the middle when the game's tight and things like that. So, um, I, he doesn't jump off the page like he did last year as one of the top two or three averaging forwards in 2021, which is what he did last year. And so for that reason, is it just me? Is he a frustrating player to own? <laughs> yeah, no. He's the, that perennial slow starter. So when people start him, they get all upset at him. And then he comes home like a freight train, and everyone's like, oh, Dusty was fun to own. And you just go through the motions. <laughs> I picked him up in round year. eight. It was great. Oh, you do this. Everyone does the same thing every season. I think, um, look. His end of the season is great. I mean, if you pick him up just for the end of the season, fantastic. We saw him absolutely whip in the preseason all the other forwards um, in their you know, six-minute time trial. But look, we've had so much exposed history of Dusty just starting slowly um, because Richmond are such a great team that they don't really need to try too hard to win games. You know, if I see something different um, and Dusty has to play in the midfield for them to win games, sure, I'll jump on, but... Until that point, I'm not sure, you know, he, he probably averages 100 again. I don't think he's actually even overpriced. He probably is priced at what he's going to average. Um, and just very quickly, I like what you said about Marshall earlier. Um, I just wanted to specifically point out how you said he's not good value. He'll probably go 100 flat, but he provides that security with that DPP. Because I think some people are selecting him thinking he is good value um, in terms of like he's going to improve on his average. And I... Don't see that happening mm. in 2021. Maybe 2022. Like but, I, I don't see him yeah. going 90, put it that way. Yeah, no. He's like a safe... But he's a safe selection, and Dusty, to be honest, is a safe selection. Dusty's not going to really go sub-90 either. Yeah. You know, both of these are very safe picks. Um, whereas someone like, I guess, Dunkley, we don't really know. We just have to wait and see. Um Chizo, is there anyone outside of that, maybe like a, a Zorko or a Heaney that you also like? Uh, definitely like Heaney. I think um, uh, this could be his year. I know we've been saying that since 2015. Um, but the fact that there's you know, so many of these premiums that just aren't enticing in the forward line is kind of leading me towards an F2 sort of spot for Heaney for me. So I do like the look of that. If I'm looking at the players kind of in the price bracket, Michael Walters plays too much forward. Um, Dane Zorko is no longer going to be that midfielder that he was once in the past. And I can only see him, you know, regressing slightly. Dixon's a full forward. Robbie Gray, I think is, you know, past his time. And, you know, you're looking at Shy Bolton, Zach Butters. I don't want to bet on those guys. Not Peter Adams. And then suddenly you get to the like of Isaac Heaney. His name kind of springs off the page there. Is that, is that um, 
you know, the fact that his name kind of jumps off the page with all those names around him, you know, kind of tricking into, tricking us into thinking he's actually good value because he's priced at 85 and I wouldn't be surprised if he only goes 95 and misses four games. Yeah. I, Cheezo, I think you made an absolutely brilliant point. Um, and I hadn't really considered it until you mentioned it. And it's, I don't know if Isaac Heaney is a good pick or if it's just because everyone around him looks so bad mm. that he stands out as one being a good player. It's like fake one value. Being, yeah, getting good price. And you know he's probably going to go between 90 and 100, probably 95 and 100. He misses so many games. He's so injury prone. He's already been injured in the preseason. Um, I don't know if he actually is, even is a good pick anymore. And he was my F1, so you've really ruined my side. <laughs> Sorry, mate. <laughs> Didn't mean to do that. <laughs> I think the same no, kind I, of thing applies to Toby yeah. Green as well, because you're looking below, like just the, the next player, Jack Martin, Kane Lambert, Jack Gunston, Luke Bruce, Matthew Kennedy, Kyle Langford. The, it just it, it, the, the kind of aurora that surrounds their names, I think will end up sucking in quite a lot of people because we're like, oh, it's Toby Green. He, he's got the potential to go 100 and no one around him does. And so you end up picking him and you're like, I'm not surprised he averaged 84 again this year. And that's how I feel about Butters and Bolton and Rosie and, and these types of players. I should even throw Dugowie, although I'll talk about him after. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I just feel like that if they went 100, cool. Like, that's awesome. I can see them going 100. But if they went 80, I'd be like, yep, cool. They average 80. I can also see that happening. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely not expecting... I like. They really could all average like 85 and I wouldn't be shocked. And it's like, do I want to start somebody in my side that like probably goes 85 but might go 100? Probably not. I'd rather just start Dusty, you know, if I had to pick between the two of them um, and just not, you know, create that chaos in my spot, um, in my side. Jeez, so Jordan Dugowie might be one of the last premiums that we talk about, but... Look, Dugowie at 435k is a great price. I feel like he is someone who his potential, like his hype surrounding his name, his potential of him being a player is more of like traps more people than he should have um, into selecting him in Supercoach, particularly in 2021 because we hear he's training with the midfield group, he's slimmed down, like all these hype words and buzzwords and things we love to hear. Um, You know, we saw Petrarca break out last season and we thought, he was a similar type player and he got his body right and he played in the preseason and he got 38 touches and 30 touches and scored 180 and we're like, whoa, and then he dominated. So we have really positive feelings about selecting a player like that. I mean, I just don't think Dugowie is a fantastic midfielder. I know it's controversial. I've had these uh, arguments in the Slack with the other Collingwood supporters. Um, he's a great forward. He's a dynamic forward. And I think when the game's on the line, Dugowie will play forward to win us the game. I don't know if he has the same weight in the midfield as he has in the forward line. I'd love to be proven wrong. I'd love him to be you know, a Petrarca type for Collingwood, coming out of the centre, replacing Trelaw, getting all that midfield time. I would love it. But I've seen him play in the midfield. I've watched him with my own eyes get lost sometimes. Yeah, he uses a ball well, but he, sometimes he can't get near the ball in the wrong places. His timing's all off. You know, He's played games where he's played the first three quarters-ish in the midfield, and he's ended up in the 60s or 70s or 80s in Supercoach, and he's had to move forward in the last quarter to win us the game. Or he's even been lower and then had to win us the game in the last quarter, and that's where he gets his points. He's just 
not the complete midfielder. I'd love for him to get there that stage. And, you know, he's obviously changing his body and trying to get there. But if you're selecting him now before we've ever seen him play a preseason game, I just don't think there's a basis for us to select him. I mean, in the preseason, if he plays a dominant midfield role, everyone's going to be putting him in a team. You're just downgrade, downgrading Heaney to, to Goey. Easy. Yeah. But why am I selecting him already if he hasn't done that? Because then I have to either go down, which is a dodgy price point, or I have to find money to go up. And in my whole idea of creating my team and trying to you know get as close to my round one side as possible, um, it just causes a bit of chaos that you don't want to have to deal with. Because the more times you change your team last minute the more chaos you create you just end up with an unsettled unbalanced side and you, you really want to be confident in your selections um i guess it's a bit of fun you know i heard people like to play supercoach for fun cheese over I, I don't understand it myself <laughs> mate I've, I've played supercoach bbl all summer there's no, i've never heard the word fun in a, in, a, in a single <laughs> sentence from all the talk that we've had in the in the slack channel in in the bbl slack channel so um yeah i'm totally on board with that the the thing with me, I think it just it calls back to the conversation we had before that when there's a question mark over a player and they've got that hype around the name and you know you can get sucked in to the you know the the shiny new thing syndrome like everyone you know Petrarca we knew had that in his game that you just hadn't had the opportunity with Dugowie it's all just been hype and the fact that he's just been compared to Dusty his entire career and we've never actually, you know, even when Dusty was young, for five minutes they put him into the midfield and you're like, this guy's going to be a midfielder and it was always part of the plan. I think with Dugowie, sort of like Isaac Heaney and just like Toby Green, they're always going to be those those forward types because as much as you wish that they could be a midfielder, they're genuinely forwards. And yeah. an AFL coach doesn't play super coach and they're going to recognize the most impact they can have for their side is in the, in the forward line. And I think yeah. I, I, I have a feeling he's going to get some time in the midfield this year and he, he was going to have some good games, but he's not suddenly going to flick a switch and he's going to no longer play mid, uh, no longer play forward like a Petrarca last year. He just became a midfielder and that was his new game style. I don't think that's going to happen with Dugowie. Look, we'll wait and see to be proven in the preseason. I I do think a lot of these forward selections, like even the mid-prices, I know we're not talking about them, but I think they look better just because of the fact they're in the forward line and we're looking at the options and we're just like, nah, uh, nah, nah, this one's bad, this one's bad. And then we're like getting kind of desperate and we look down and we're like, ooh, this guy's got potential, he's cheap. Yeah. And we kind of think, oh, you know, I guess it's, if you isolate them and take them, just outside the position. I know you can't really do that and look at it and think, would it, is this somebody I'd like to start in my side? I think the answer a lot of the time would just probably be no. And it's just because we're desperate in that forward line that we're you know, picking these types of players. At least that's how I feel early days. And even, even so, if I would select somebody like Dunkley who has been in my side as early as today, as recently as today um, before removing him, I, I kind of was like, He's got good potential. He's got upside, so I'm going to select him, and he's going to be great. And then, kind of like, if anyone says anything, you know, about him, I just say, well, he still averaged well as a forward. But I could, if he, if even the preseason plays and he gets 20% CBAs, what am I doing? Like, I just should not pick him. I should just pick Dusty. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
Uh, yeah, this it's it's tough. The forward line is easily uh, the most controversial of positions, and I I wonder how many rookies will get. I wonder how many mid prices will turn out, and I. It's going to be a very interesting strategy uh, on team building uh, as to how deep you go in your forward line because theoretically, if you were to pick, you know, Dangerfield, Sidebottom, Dunkley, Marshall, Dusty, like all the big guns and pretty much lock in your top six, um, you know, you would avoid all of these dodgy mid prices that other people are selecting, like the Danahers and Zeebles and MPs and buddy and stuff like that like you avoid all of that madness and you've locked in these stable picks and you might even avoid some poor rookie scores but then are they all bad value as well and then you've just cost the rest of your side because you've just selected five people straight off the bat at the poor value don't know interesting discussion for a later date i think cheeso yeah and i i I hope that this in-depth discussion that you've been listening to for the last hour and a half has really kind of <laughs> emphasized just how important the premium selections will be this year. It's not as easy as just picking, you know, who you think is going to be the top scorer in each line and then another decent premium and then putting a couple rookies and stuff like that. We're literally going to be shaking things up this year because, you know, heaps of rookies played last year that wouldn't have, so they're all inflated. All these premiums got more points, so all their prices are inflated. It's going to be hard. And I think that the 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 talk about the premiums is not animated enough in my opinion i think that's why we've started with that pistol and i really appreciate you sitting down to talk uh you know what should be a really easy topic but it's actually really really in depth this year yeah and i just the last thing just so that there's like tangible numbers behind it um if we're picking Lockie Neal is in my side, like I know he's 50K overpriced. If you pick Gorn, you know he's 50K overpriced. If you pick Lloyd, you're like, yeah, okay, 40K overpriced. These add up. If you have like five players above 600K, you're probably giving up $250,000 in value from the get-go on people who aren't selecting them. doesn't mean that that's the right thing to do because you can't obviously just pick the best value players across every position because captaincies and all of that stuff. It's just something to think about in the back of your mind that the more of these top premium guys if you were to select seven of them you might want to reconsider because you're you're losing 300,000 value after round three when the prices change and you know plays start going opposite directions um and this is it's just a bit of strategy and uh team building where this year might not be the best year to select all the top end premiums and go full guns and rookies like we have in the past because we've never had this situation where even though they're the top end they're still not amazing value so um, it's I, I'm loving the strategy this season. I do think it's really hard, and um, I'm not sure everyone is super aware of the uh, price, the the how the changes of last season have affected the prices of this season. And we're going back to a three round um, price change as well instead of a two round. So there will be more variability in those prices. <laughs> Just dumping in that big knowledge uh, an hour and a half into a podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, I apologize for not mentioning it earlier, but. You know, these rookie, if, if, I mean, just think about it. If there's a finite amount of money in the game and you have these expensive premiums that are overpriced at round three, they're going to drop. And these rookies, they're going to rock it up because money's got to come from somewhere as well. So there'll be a little bit of, um, you know, this balancing after the first couple of rounds, mm. but those premiums are all going to fall a little bit. And yeah. the other, keep, um, keep the, lower end end the EV plays to the Patreon up. early content. Thanks, mate. <laughs> yeah no look there's a lot more content to go through but i won't <laughs> shove it all in this podcast otherwise i'll just end up talking for the next three hours and yeah 
most people probably don't want that. <laughs> Good. The, the last thing, we really appreciate that you've made it all the way through in this podcast. Uh, we didn't want to drown out too much at the start of the episode um, with some of the housekeeping. So we, we should mention uh, we do have a new Cancer Council page pistol um they've done a a bit of updating so if it looks a little bit different we've got a new link that you can follow to get through we've now raised to twelve thousand six hundred and eighty six dollars uh from the community which is just phenomenal and uh to give a shout out over the off season those that have donated uh jacko luke butler pep and dvda cats tony uh have all been uh doing little side bets uh, for the uh, the cancer council, which has been phenomenal and one of the funnest parts of Slack, and uh, I- I'm still I'm still waiting for I think 2018's bets that uh, JB is just still kind of shirking their pistol. He keeps saying, oh, "I'll donate 20 bucks if this <laughs> happens," and then just prays people forget about it. I think we need to call him out on it. It's funny because your memory father thinks is terrible, but you just won't let this one go. <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, yeah, so just another one to keep out. Pistol. Thanks for being on with me tonight. I think you're pretty much half asleep after all that. It's getting pretty late for you. <laughs> no, I'm all worked up now. I'm <laughs> yeah, I know. Mate, I heard the table bump when we talked about Matty Rouse. So, um, I just got excited. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening. If you want to find us, you can find us on the socials at Twitter, Dr. Underscore SC, Chizo Underscore DRSC, Pistol Underscore DRSC, and JB Underscore DRSC. We know your time's precious. We appreciate that you've been sitting down for 90 minutes with us and soaking up all our Supercoach content. We hope you're in for a big preseason because we've got exciting things that are coming. Enjoy your week. We'll talk to you again soon. <laughs>